You're listening to another great podcast in the Stoplight Network. Welcome to episode 17 of Three Geeky Ladies. I'm Elisa Paselli, and with me today are Vicki Stokes. Hello. And Suze Gilbert. Hi, everyone. We are probably going to make this a little bit of a shorter show, mostly because the Skype gods have just been brutal today. Thank you very much, Microsoft. Yeah, I was just going to say the Microsoft gods. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. We've spent the last hour trying to get get it so that the three of us could hear each other at the same time. So before we get going, I did want to mention that MyMac.com writer Donnie Yankelo has a new book in the iBook store. It's called Pirate Soars. I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. It's 99 cents and it's available in iTunes and the link will be in the show notes. And I also wanted to mention that a couple episodes back, we were talking about um, that little bar you see in iTunes when you plug in your iDevice and it says other, and no one really knew exactly what other was. Well, on the last episode of the MacCast, episode 427, Adam Christensen did a nice job explaining what that is. It starts at minute marker 3258, and it's a good explanation of what type of information is stored in Other and how you can check and possibly delete some of that information. So again, the link is in the show notes, and I suggest if you have questions about Other that you give it a listen. Today we wanted to talk about iTunes 11 and Apple Maps. Suze, what do you think of iTunes 11? <laughs> okay, she knows that's a lead-in, everyone, just to let you know that. <laughs> you know, I... I don't mind change. I really don't. I think change is always a good thing. But I do. I was really surprised with iTunes 11. And there were, there were several significant changes that surprised me. Number one was the font. And, you know, as I mentioned to Elisa and Vicky, you know, font is so important. It's, it um, basically is the readability of an app or a, a software or an application. And I don't mind this font. It kind of reminds me of a, some type of version of Helvetica. But I like the other one. But it's more that I have to search for everything. I don't think it's all that intuitive like Apple normally is. I do miss my little sidebar where if I plugged in my iDevice or anything, that it came up and I knew exactly you know, what was there. All my playlists were right there on that sidebar. I really did like that sidebar. All my, um, you know, genius, everything was there. So this, yes, it has, you know, it's across the top. You have your playlist and your radio. And of course, if you have iTunes match, but I don't think it was that intuitive when I first plugged in my iPad. I was, I, I, I thought, how do I get to what's on my iPad? And it took me a while of searching which is unusual with Apple because normally it's very self-explanatory where I finally found my iDevices, you know, and then I started to um, play around with a little bit more. The thing, I still don't like it though. I just think it's a, I don't think it's as smooth um, as, you know, the previous version of, of iTunes. I don't know. Maybe some people will like it. I personally don't. And if you, 
I've clicked on iPad and then it goes, I don't know where it goes. I mean, I'm, I've opened up iTunes right now and I don't even see my iDevices there. You know, normally if I do Wi-Fi sync, they should be there, but they're not even listed there. I only have music on the far left and iTunes store. I don't know. I'm not, I'm not a happy camper yeah. with it. I don't like it either. And I do the same thing. I have the show sidebar because I like looking at a glance and seeing I can jump to my podcast. I can jump to books. I can jump to my iPad. I can jump to a playlist. But one thing I did notice, and maybe it's just my computer. I don't know if anyone else has had this problem, but it is not updating last played and play count. Mm -hmm. It's very hit and miss. There was, in fact, I'm looking at date added. I had bought on Amazon at the beginning of the, when did I buy it? End of December. I bought two different MP3s, I'm sorry, um, albums. And I've played every single one of those songs more than once. And some of them show that they haven't even been played yet. Do you have that? Do you have iCloud? Who? iTunes, iTunes Match? I no. don't have i. What do you, I'm not yeah, you, you, you know how they, you know, try to sync across all your devices. Maybe that's the issue. It's taking a long time to do it. But you know, you're right. I, I, I'm having problems with that, too. I, I purchased um, a song and I played it over and over again on my iPad. And then, and then I thought, oh, I can quickly. The next day I wanted to find the song and I didn't want to go through the crazy stuff you had to do to find a song on, on iTunes. And I went to like recently played and it wasn't there. Yeah, which yeah. really, if yeah. you have this, every now and then, I'll put together a playlist of um, based on the last time it was played or the play counts. Maybe if it's less than 10, I'll make a playlist of just songs that have only been played less than 10 times. Mm-hmm. And this is totally going to mess it up. Yeah, yeah. Because it's not going to recognize. I mean, if I sat here for the next three hours and I listened to, I don't know, say 50 songs in the next three hours, maybe 20 of them will show up that I actually played. The other 30 won't show up. Yeah, and I have no idea why. Well, you know, I read I um, uh, read in, in Macworld um, some, when when this iTunes update was released that maybe they they got rid of the sidebar, which I like too, uh, it, 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 because they wanted to you know um, make it more um, standard uh, for like even the iOS devices. You know, it's not taking up that much. Uh, uh, real estate, you know, mm-hmm. on your iPhone or whatever. But you know what? I think that should be an option. You turn it off on your iPhone. You don't just say, okay, we're going to make everything great for the, uh, for um, those mobile devices. I know that you can turn it back on, like show uh, the, the sidebar view, but it's, don't make something standard that wasn't standard before. Don't um, make, I mean, default. That's a default that wasn't there before. It, it's confusing. You're trying to learn a new app. It just makes it more difficult for people to adopt, adapt it if you're making those kinds of changes. And it, like you write about the font, it's a fixed font size. Mm-hmm. My eyesight is getting a little bad. I don't want you setting the font size and not, not allowing me to change it. Does that make sense? I agree with you, Vicki, because, you know, as I was saying to Elisa and you, you know, Fonts are very, very important, and I understand why they may have may have selected this font. It it's easier to read, but it is a very fixed font size. And for some um, people that whose eyesight is aging, I think it's a little harder to read. I actually was so used to the other font that was my first thing when I opened up iTunes 11 that ticked me off. It was like, what happened? To, uh, Ten or eleven? I, it's eleven. I said, where's my font? The other thing I don't like about it is that when you 
sync your iPhone or your iPad. N- normally, I always transfer all my purchase. You know, they ha- if you go to file and they'll say, you know, transfer, you know, Suze's purchases, blah, blah, blah. It's not transferring my purchases. So yeah. I found that really interesting because what happened, the reason how I noticed this or why I noticed it, excuse me, was that there was an app update that I hated. I wanted to go, I wanted to um, revert to the the previous version of this app. So I, when I went into iTunes to, cause I deleted it off my advice, off my device. And I wanted to make sure it wasn't going to update with the brand new, um, with the brand new version. And it didn't, but you know, I found that it, even when I reverted, some of my other apps did not transfer the purchases. So that's, it goes right into the trash, which I don't like because I like to look at the IPAs because many times if I'm really concerned about an app and the stability of an app, I save the IPA and I'll just throw it on my you know, desktop or my external hard drive because that way I can always revert back if, it, if the app is unstable. So I don't know. I'm just not thrilled with this update. I think, but you know, yeah. some people will like it. So yeah, I'm missing songs like that, too. Um, I, I have the song on the iPhone, and I cannot get it on the uh, computer, or I can't get it on the iPad, and I should be able to have it all across all my devices, and it's not working. Uh, it, it's really strange. Uh, I do have iTunes Match, but um, for those particular songs, um, um, they're older songs, and they're mm-hmm. in iTunes Match, but it won't download. It has a little thing, but it's grayed out, and it won't let me download. Yeah. That happens on my phone. Yeah. I have a couple songs on my phone that even though I bought them, they won't download. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. I, if they were upset about, we we're going to get to that soon, a maps, why aren't they upset about this? This is crazy. You know, I, bought, I purchased something. Your iTunes match is supposed to be so great, so I get a brand-new, high-quality uh, version of the file, that I can download at will, but I paid for this song and I don't have access to the song anymore. That doesn't make sense. That doesn't make sense. And you know, I would I would notify Apple support because I had actually an app that did that years ago when I first got my first iPhone. I could not get it to download on my iPhone. I bought it, mm-hmm. and so um, when I called Apple support, they were really great. I mean, they, within, I would say within 24 hours, I had it resolved. I mean, I, yeah. you know, emailed them, told them what the problem was. They told me the solution and then the app, of course, you know, downloaded. So yeah. I think I, I had got, to download. I have, I have so many songs like that that it'll take me a while to get, compile the list. <laughs> it's a lot of songs. I would say I got more than a hundred songs that are like that. Wow. Yeah, yeah. I have a huge library. I have I have over five thousand songs just on my iPhone. Just on your iPhone? Yeah, I have tons of songs, <laughs> tons of, and I don't even listen to half of them. So I really need to get them all. <laughs> well, I should. This is a good segue into my little um, memory trick, isn't it? Elisa, yeah. yes, I wanted to let our listeners know that I now am a proud owner of a ninety-six gig um, iPad. And the reason why it's 96 gig is that I was telling Elisa and Vicky when we were trying to get this podcast going was that I was painting on my iPad and through ArtRage and ArtRage is an art app that when you're low on memory, if you're using um, 
some of the uh, layer functions in ArtRage that it will come up and say you have low memory. So I basically, I, you know, uh, closed all the open apps that I had opened, which wasn't all that many. I re- restarted my iPad and it still kept happening. So I looked under my usage and I found that I had like 23 gig of photos on my iPad, which is not unusual for me because I do a lot of photo editing on my iPad. So I decided... I had bought a camera connection kit a couple years ago, and I thought, hmm, you know, I wonder if I put some of my photos onto a thumb drive or a flash drive, if I could use that as storage, and would the iPad recognize it? So I basically um, did that. I you have to put it in a DCIM and capitalize the letters. Make 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 a folder on your iMac or your laptop, whatever, and you transfer your the photos that you want to put onto your thumb drive in that DCIM uh, folder. And then basically you put it onto the flash drive and using the USB port on the camera connection kit, the iPad will recognize that and say, okay, um, what photos do you want to import? So you can import the ones that you want onto your iPad and then just make sure when the little window comes up, the pop-up window is that you opt not to delete them off of your flash drive you just keep them so that's what I did I went and I bought a 32 gig flash drive uh, through Amazon and I threw all the photos on my iPad and my iPhone on it and now I still have 12 gig left but what's great about it is I can delete a lot uh, free up some storage space I can delete a lot of photos off my iPad so that's just one way you don't have to do 30 gig 32 gig, of course, but that's one way of, you know, using the flash drive as storage. And the camera connection kit you can buy through Apple. I think it's like $29 and or you can get it through Photo Jojo. It's a little cheaper there. It's the same thing. So that's my tip of the day. I'm looking up Photo Jojo now. I love Photo Jojo. I, I have a lot of things from Photo Jojo. I um I bought a polarizer lens for my iPhone on Photo Jojo for Christmas. And I've also have a great lens mug from there. When I drink coffee from it, people almost have a heart attack cuz it looks like a real Canon L lens. It's it's great. <laughs> I don't know about music, but I do know it works for images. You know, I'm I'm not sure I'm I I don't see why you couldn't put files in music, but I don't know if the iPad would recognize it. It does recognize the photos in the um you know, the digital imaging folder. So you just want to make sure you have the folder D C I M in capital letters and the it'll all go all your photos will go in there, your images and the iPad will recognize that. Yeah. So you can import it. Well, speaking of the iPad and the iPhone one of the problems that I'm having, which, again, we were talking about while we were fighting with the Skype gods, is that the way when you take your phone or your iPad and you plug it into the wall, it's supposed to automatically back up to the iCloud and show up on the sidebar in iTunes. Mine doesn't. Sometimes it does. Sometimes it doesn't. I had to restart it three times my iPad to get iTunes to recognize it. Now, whether that's an iPad, tunes issue or a snow leopard issue i'm not really sure but i have the latest and greatest ipad so i don't i don't know i don't know if that's just a fluky thing or if it has something to do with the new itunes because it didn't have this problem before now if you go into settings and you say sync via wi-fi does it do that nope it keeps saying looking for my macbook looking for my macbook 
Oh, that's bizarre. So it could very well be the computer. It could very well be that it's saying, hey, your computer is, you know, going on five years old. You're still running Snow Leopard. Get a MacBook Pro with Mountain Lion. <laughs> you know, which I'd love I'm to sure do. But... So <laughs> I can hear it from here. Yeah. Not, not, in the, not in the cards right now, but um, that could very well be the problem. Or, 20, or, or 27 inch iMac. Or 27 inch iMac. But it, I don't know. I don't know if that's the problem or if it's iTunes. But I didn't have this problem before. That's interesting because I'm running, I still run Snow Leopard too because I told you all my Epson printers and drivers and stuff. I don't want to change that, but um, I, that's interesting. But mine, you know, when I plug mine in, mine does sync. I haven't had any issues with new i. I should knock on wood with the new iTunes. It has been syncing. It just doesn't transfer my purchases. So I have to manually hook it up to the computer to make sure it transfers all my purchases, which is bizarre. I think see, I think mine does, but I don't really buy too much directly from the iPad. I'm still kind of old school and do everything through the iTunes store on mm-hmm. the computer. But I also have it set up so that when I buy it, it automatically downloads to the phone and to the iPad. Hmm. Whether it's music or a book or whatever. Yeah. See, I I buy everything on the iPad. Everything. It depends on what what computer I'm using. It doesn't matter to me. I do it on I do it on the iPhone. Um, and another thing that I'm having issues with is my album artwork. I like to see the album covers, and I constantly am not getting most of my album covers there. I agree uh, with I, that. Yeah, I I told that's thank you. I yeah. have empty I have empty album covers. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yep. And I yep. never had that before. Me neither. I have like a little, gosh, anybody that's a musician, don't hit me. Um, it's the treble clef. I have like the little music <laughs> sign. <laughs> yeah. Embarrassed at my ignorance with music. But I have that for much, you know, quite a few of them. Yeah. Yeah. It's like a, a the, the little chord thing. Yes. Yeah. It's it's for, for most of them. You know, I, I got over 5,000 albums. But you know what? I got a lot of space on my hard drive. So if I want that that to show up. If I want that stored on my um, computer, then doggone it, put it on there. <laughs> you know? But do um, they still, and they moved everything around. It used to be if you wanted to change it to an MP3 version mm-hmm. of something, if you have like an, AA, was it an AAC file and you want to change it to MP3, mm-hmm. you'd go to, I forget what the menu item was, if it was window, but now it's under file create new version, create MP3 version. Mm -hmm. And then um, home sharing and devices are under the file menu. Yep. Yep, they are. Yeah, devices, it says transfer purchases. Now, come on, man, just leave it where it was. It was right in file, but it was near the bottom. And I like that. I really, because it was a no-brainer. Right. Now, did you go to library, get album artwork, and have it rescanned? Yes, I did yeah, do that. It, it does, I but, do. you know, anytime there's an update, I lose a lot of album artwork, so it just disappears. It wasn't just for iTunes 11. It's, it's always been a problem with the artwork on iTunes, so they didn't fix that. So, yeah. yeah. And this, to me, is very minor, because how many of us really listen to iTunes radio when we can listen to Pandora? 
but I liked, (laughs) I liked, yeah, but I mean, every, every, you know, like once a year I go, well, let me see what's on there. And I was looking for the radio in the sidebar, gone. Like, where the heck is the radio? What happened to it? And I finally discovered that it's, you have to click on the music and it goes across the top. Songs, albums, artists, genres, videos, radio. Oh, yeah, yeah. I see that now. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I was like, what is radio doing there? It, just, it doesn't make sense to me. Maybe, maybe they think it does because it's music, but it's not. To me, radio, it should be in the sidebar because I want to, if I'm going to have things across the top, I want it to be my music. Well, getting, you know, you just mentioned something. I noticed, uh, um, I think it was, I read in Zeit where Apple might um, make that a little bit more substantial, their radio, like a, a, a Sirius or a, a Pandora. Um, I'm not sure when, if it's going to be, you know, the next update, but Pandora I pay for. You know, John Nemirovsky had mentioned he said Suzanne you should just pay for it and then that way you don't have the ads and I thought you know that's great so my husband I really like it but Pandora ticks me off now too because after I don't know four hours it stops the music and it'll say are you still listening well heck I don't need a pop-up bar and and then of course you have to go and you have to press yes and I know I'm going to sound terribly lazy but it's it's the idea that if I wasn't listening I would be shutting off Pandora and if I pay for something, I don't need you to stop that service and, you know, be reassured that I'm still listening to it. I think that's, I, I'm really ticked off at Pandora for doing that. And I, I just they're, think they need try- to take that out. Oops. No. Oh, looks like we have Skype gods again. Yeah. Um, and they, they were trying to be, they were trying to be helpful, um, Suze. <laughs> Irritating me? <laughs> yes. Well, I get, that's I get, the way it ended up, but that's not that wasn't the goal. <laughs> I get that too, but I don't have the paid version. I do the the free version, and I understand more in my version because they also put a pop up saying, "Hey, we're paying for all these songs. We hope you're there to listen." But since you're paying for it, yeah. they we're, they shouldn't be doing. Yeah, that. we have no ads, but you know, I have to say is that I what I love about Pandora is it has turned me on to so many new groups. And so many new mus- musicians, and I just love, if I feel like listening to, you know, Dead Mouse one day, I can have my Dead Mouse station, or, you know, Segovia, or George Winston. It's just great. And I love it because it exposes me to so many other musicians that I otherwise wouldn't have known about. But it, that's really an irritant for me. And I've, I've left, a, you know, I left a review on the Pandora app site, but I'm just hoping they change that. You know, I, I really do. It's just irritating. Or make it after 12 hours. Okay, 12 hours, I can understand it. Yeah, if they're paying for the music, even though I'm having a paid subscription, I can get that. But not after four or five hours, because I usually have the radio on all day, especially if I'm, you know, in my studio. Mm, I do too. Some sort of music. Yeah, I have to. It's like, you know, white noise for me. Mm-hmm. I think I'm one of the few people that don't listen to the radio at all. I listen to the music that I like, and and the way I discover new music is somebody tells me about it, or I see right. I see it on a show, or hear it in a movie, or something like that, and then I put it on my device. But I just don't like to listen to something that I don't like, so that's the reason why I don't listen to radio because a song will pop up, and then the next thing I know, I change the channel, and I never change it that's back. Me. Yeah, so, well, I don't listen to yeah. the radio. Yeah. 
I, I, I don't. I listen to, if I'm going to listen to the radio, it's, I'm, I guess I'm getting old. It'd be like news or <laughs> talk radio. <laughs> Something. No, I have to admit, I agree with you. I mean, that was one thing I liked about American Idol is sometimes they would, you know, the contestants would sing a song and I'd go, wow, that's a nice song. And I would like it. And then I'd look up on iTunes or Amazon or whatever. Yeah, who's the artist that sang it? Who yeah. the artist was. And yeah. same with Glee. Yeah. I go, oh, I like that song. So I've bought, a, between Idol and Glee, I've bought a lot of songs that mm-hmm. I'd never heard of before because they sang it mm-hmm. and looked it up that way. Um, and so, excuse me, I like Shazam and not Shazam. What's it? Yeah, Shazam and um, Shazam and uh, Soundhound is because I'll be watching a movie, click it on. Oh, that's who that artist is, and download it right away. Right. So, yeah. I, I think our consensus is thumbs down. Thumbs down, definitely thumbs down. Three thumbs down. Three thumbs down. Okay. Well, let's see if we can do any better with maps. <sighs> now, I have to say, in all honesty. I don't use them. I don't use maps the way a lot of people do. They use it for their turn-by-turn navigation, and I don't. Mostly because, well, for I don't go anywhere. And if I do go somewhere, it's usually within a couple of miles, so I know where I'm going. But if I do go somewhere further that I haven't been, I go on Google Maps on my computer, look up the directions, and then I just email it to myself, and I have the directions on my phone if my husband's driving. I don't use turn by turn because I have a small data plan and it's going to eat up my data if I do it that way. Um, one thing I do, like I was playing with this last night and we'll mention this later, but Vicki and I are going to Macworld in a few days and I saw that in the maps on the iPhone, I can bookmark different locations. So I bookmarked our hotel so that when we're going to go somewhere from the hotel, I don't have to look it up again. I can just click on the bookmark of our hotel and then punch in where we're going to go and get the walking directions. So I thought that was pretty cool. But otherwise, I really don't have anything I like maps. or negative to say. I like maps. I It helped me, and uh, I, as I've mentioned before in Boston, the turn-by-turn turn got me right to Logan. Um in the morning through rush hour traffic. I love the fact that you can look up the traffic patterns. You could do that with Google too. The thing I miss most versus Apple and Google Maps is Street View. But even when I downloaded the Google Map app as well on my iPhone, I, they don't have Street View. And that to me was the, big, the biggest pro of, of the earlier Maps version was Street View. Because, you know, sometimes if I really wasn't sure of the direction, if I got street view and I knew what the the place looked like, I was good to go, you know. Um, The satellite view is is interesting as far as, um, I mean, the 3D satellite view with Apple Maps, but I still think it, uh, you know, you can't really zoom in and get street view. I think their directions, I think Siri does a fairly good job with directions. I know, I don't know if I told you this, when my husband was in uh, Europe, he had to drive to um to Denmark and he when he got the rental car he had the GPS you know they had a navi system 
And the Navi system wanted to bring him through all these little towns, and he just wanted to get on, you know, the highway and because he had a meeting to go to. So he said, the heck with this. He turned on Siri, and he said, Siri just did fabulous. Um, she just led him right there, and that was in Europe. So I don't know. I think Apple, I think they still have a ways to go with it. I, think, I don't think it's perfect. I still think it, they're tweaking it, and it's, a, it's an app in progress. But... Um, you know, if it had Street View, I would give it, you know, five stars, seriously. But I, for, for the most part, it gets me where I need to go because Dallas is, is pretty big. And I, even though I'm finally finding my way around things, when I get up out into, like, up in Plano, up in the hinterlands, no, but when I'm going to some of the suburbs, you know, and I'm not as familiar with the landmarks or the, the layout, I always use maps. And so far, so good. I've been pretty happy with it. Now, did you just say Google Google Maps does not have Street View, or it does? It does not. Not the apps. doesn't have it I'm, anymore. I'm looking at it right now in Street View. Uh, on the computer or on the app? On my phone. Shut the front door. Yep. Where? Let me see. I'm looking. Okay. Well, you, did you mean Street Apple, View? or you mean, mean... No, I meant the last time I, I used... I wonder if that's part of the of, uh, update. Because the last time I used, well, it has been a while since I've used Google Maps, but I'm looking. Yeah. No, I, I see Google Earth in the sidebar, Google Earth traffic, public transit, satellite. Out of here. I'm going on to. Okay, I'm doing a search for the hotel that I'm staying at. Okay, let me look under satellite view. Yeah, and like when I click on it, okay, there's that little exclamation point. And, and when I click on it, it, pop, it pops up. And it has the name of the hotel, and it says I can call them, save them, or share it. And then if I pull up a little bit more, it says the website, and then it says Street View. If I click on Street View, it's giving me the actual Street View of the hotel, so I know what it looks like. Okay, I'm looking right here. Voting address. I've got the little exclamation mark. I'm looking. Um... And you said you just tap on the exclamation mark? Mm-hmm. Like, let me try Moscone Center. So if I type in Moscone West, okay. Because all of that's doing for all that is doing for me, it, tapping on it is mm-hmm. is zooming in. No, at the bottom. Okay, so now I did Moscone West, and it's got the little exclamation point at the bottom of the page. It says Moscone West, twenty-one out of thirty, ninety-five reviews. Pull that up. Okay, I'm looking. Moscone is M-I-S-C-O-N-I. M-O-S-C-O-N-E. O-N-E. Yes, of course, Moscone. All right, let me look to see. And that's San Fran, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yep. I'm looking. It's bringing me over there. Oh, see, your exclamation mark is a little bit... It says Moscone West at the bottom? Yes. Just hold that and pull up, and then it's got Street View. Oh, no. It has website. It has call, save, share, website, menu, more info. I don't see Street View. Wow. See, right underneath call, save, share, and above website, it says Street View and four photos. Now you're in Google Maps. Oh, oh, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, I see where I see it. I see it. Yep, 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 yep. Well, 
Thank you, Elisa. I learned something new today. Isn't that awesome? <laughs> I love learning something new. Well, I have to take that back then. But see, I mm-hmm. wish Apple. I wish Apple would do that because Street View is really important to me. I really like Street. Yes. But well, see, it doesn't do that for every address, though, which is interesting because it. Do- no, that could very well be. It doesn't do that for my house, well, for my address, which it used to. Mm-hmm. It used to because, you know, before when they were integrated into Apple, um, I was able to to look at this address. Let me see. I'm going to just see if I can find it through Street View again. Vicki, did you know that? I don't use any of these map applications, not well, Apple or the mobile one. I could have an app in my car and... I've lived in California long enough that I don't really need directions <laughs> to go places. Um, yep. and my house is on Street View. Okay, I got my house on Street View. I wonder if this wasn't an update because I I remember when I first used Google Maps. What when I downloaded a couple months ago, that was that was the kicker for me. Oh. I can't remember if they've had an update since then. But hey, they have Street View. I'm happy. But but ladies, I got a question. Don't you think Google asked for this when they kept uh, providing features for Android that they weren't available for the iPhone? They were just setting themselves up for the iPhone, uh, Apple to just kick them to the side. I think there's always going to be this type of competitive behavior because I think with this type of technology, with the phones and the iPads, I don't, you know, with with PCs and with desktop computers starting to decline in sales, you know, they have to have some type of edge. It didn't surprise me, though, Vicky. But I'm so. just thinking the revenue that you generate from having that that license on the iPhone, I know it's lost. So now you're still stuck on Android, and you're on Android alone. You got to come out with your own little app, which Apple is going to just really, you know, um, not allow certain features that probably. Um, and I just found it just to be sort of silly, you know, the consumers lose out on, on this. And, um, I, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm glad that they got Siri integrated with this because why the heck do you have voice navigation and, and I mean, uh, uh the voice commands and you, it doesn't work with the map that made no sense right. at all. I would have waited on delivering Siri so that I could actually have this integrated with more things, not just calendars and appointments. You know, you, you want that to be for other things too. Um, but one thing that I have noticing is that a lot of cars are allowing you to run your apps through their uh, nap system. So hopefully that, that will, you know, I'll be able to use, you know, more of my phone features in my car uh, instead of using separate, you know, BMW apps or whatever name kind of car you have having their apps. Absolutely, because you know when we had when my with my husband's car, BMW had a big Navi system, and I'll tell you it could not keep up with the big dig in Boston because I was going down to Boston all the time um, for my son and. You know, every week it would be a different route. You know, something would be closed and you'd have to take off this little street. And Boston is not – anybody that's driven in Boston knows that it's not a grid layout. I mean, you can get lost very easily in Boston. And I think that when you have like Siri, integrated with Siri, and when you have an apps – a map app that – basically allows people that are using it to have input to say, no, 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 you know, that has changed. I think that's actually 
good. And I guess Apple has been very good about when people have said, you know, that's true, that house is no longer there or this address is wrong. They've been updating it. So, I, you know, to be honest with you, in Dallas, I had more problems with the Google, the old Google map app than I did with Apple. So, so far, so good with Apple. So I would yeah. give it a thumbs up. Yeah, I found that the, uh, Google and Apple Maps got the same things wrong. Um, you still can't get to my house. when you. It, it, I live in a city. If I try to get directions to my house and I'm coming from the east side, um, I'm coming from the west to the east, um, it tells me to go down a street that you can't go through. And MapQuest is the only one that's ever gotten it right. Hmm. So I used to it's love still it. wrong, but I live in a small town. It's probably never be corrected because no one cares about this town. <laughs> <laughs> the only thing I never liked about MapQuest, it would give you like the longest version. Yeah, I mean, it's like, oh so, my God, three yeah, hours. It yeah, yeah. yeah. You know? It doesn't keep taking account of different things like speed limits. And stuff. Yeah, but you know, that's, yeah. that's one thing I think both Google... Oh, you know, Apple has gotten right. They give you several different routes to get there. You know, especially yeah. here because there's a lot of construction going on the highway. Mm -hmm. So they give you, you know, I usually with every address I put in, I usually get three routes, which is really nice. So it gives me an option to go on the tollway, which is usually the fastest because nobody wants to pay for tolls here. Um, you know, or it reroutes me through the, you know, through smaller streets. Um, and then I can look because if they put me like on 635, which is construction, I know not to go that way. So it's really nice. I get different ways of, you know, getting to the same place. Yeah. Well, I, uh, with the nap system in my car, I actually was using it to try to get home. And it popped up and gave me some traffic information telling me to go to an alternate route. And I ignored it because I said, oh, you don't know what you're talking about. And it was actually correct <laughs> that there was a really bad accident up there. <laughs> but I don't, I don't have that in the Apple. There's not, I don't think that's integrated in there. And if they it does. Traffic. Um, so if you go, if you, if you open up the app, um, Vicky, mm -hmm. um, you can say show traffic. Mm -hmm. uh, so whatever address, and they will give you different colors of traffic. So, you know, red is really congested. And that's really important to know here because, unfortunately, um, you know, it, it, it's the traffic here in Dallas is probably my least favorite part of Dallas. You know, it's, yeah. the, the, it's a lot of traffic here. So that part I really like, you know, because if it's red, I just go the frontage road and I don't go on, you know, north yeah. to 75. Yeah. Well, I, and for now, I always listen to it because I was, it normally takes me about 25 minutes to get home and it took me an hour and a half to get home. <laughs> so. Okay, so we're relatively happy with maps? Yes, I'm relatively happy. I think it could be better. I, I, I don't think I ever use it. So. so we'll say what? I would say, I'd say three and a half with room for improvement. It's mm -hmm. If they have Street View, uh, I like I like Vicky. I like the Siri integration, the turn by turn. That's awesome. Maybe, maybe I'll give it. Yeah, I'd give it maybe three point seven five. If you have that many thumbs, um, I think I think um, it. I think Street View. It could. And it, the directions still need some tweaking too. I mean, there's still mistakes on there. I like it. I, I just wish they will, they would play well together because. It could have been a better, uh, 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 it didn't have to end in divorce, put it that way. 
They needed to go to a mediator. Yes. <laughs> so before we wrap up today's episode, um, we're starting a new feature that we're going to do, to be honest, when we feel like it. And we're going to be do, doing little mini tutorials on different applications that maybe are a little bit more difficult to understand or uh, maybe need a better explanation. So today we're going to start out with Suze, and she is going to talk to us about a particular feature in Snapseed. Mm -hmm. Snapseed is it got app of the year um, a couple of years ago, or maybe it was last year. And Snapseed is a fabulous app. It was developed by Nick Software, and they are very well known in the photographic industry for their plugins, Photoshop. I absolutely love Nick Software. I've used it for years. Um, and when they came out with Snapseed, I was very, very excited. And at first, when they came out, I was a little disappointed. I'm thinking, ah, it's okay. But then I, when I really sat down and started to edit photos with it, I realized how powerful it is. And Google came in and they bought up Snapseed. And I, I, I think Scott Wilsley and I talked about this on a podcast, how concerned we were. Because, you know, anytime a big company like Google buys something up, is that the death knell for such a fabulous app? Well, they have since had an upgrade to Snapseed. They have a Retrolux filter they offered and some more frames. And they also made it free. So, And it is a universal app, so it will work across all your devices, your um, iPod, your iPhone, and your iPad. I highly recommend everybody downloading Snapseed. It is a fabulous photo editor. It's, it's very close to Photoshop as far as I'm concerned for the editing that I like to do. And every time I take an image in my iPhone, I always bring it into Snapseed. And the reason why I like Snapseed so much is that you can you if you need one app, if people have asked me, Suzay, what would you recommend for an app that I should have on my iPad or my iPhone? It's always been Snapseed. Because you can basically convert it to black and white, although, you know, when you convert it to black and white, I think it's still a little, you know, not contrasty enough, but I'm going to show you, I'm going to tell you how to change that. It has grunge um, filters. It has tilt shift fo uh, uh, filters and also center focus. So if you want to focus, have something in the middle or a part of your picture that is really sharp in the background, you know, blurry, which is a beautiful effect, especially for food photography. You can do that. They have frames. They have, you know, a, just a general tune your image, uh, automatic straighten crop. And their details basically allow you to um, sharpen your image. And I think it's a very powerful sharpening. I really like their sharpening feature. But today we're going to talk about, I'm going to give you a mini tutorial when you download Snapseed for selective adjust. I find that in some of my iPhoneography classes, people are really reluctant because they don't know what it does. And it's a very, very powerful uh, feature in Snapseed. So basically, you can take a photo within this app itself. So if you open up Snapseed, you can. Um, there's a little camera with a plus icon in the top left of the screen. You can photo or you can load an image from your camera roll. So if you load an image from your camera roll and you know you it'll ask you if you want to use it and you can basically say yes and then you're going to along the bottom menu you're going to see selective adjust. You're going to tap on selective adjust. And it's a very 
um, if you're working on your iPhone, it's just a very streamlined, minimalist uh, user interface, which I love. But down on the bottom, on the left, you're going to see a plus sign. And that is your selective adjustment. So say, for instance, now, for the sake of this tutorial, I'm just going to kind of walk you through this. I have, so you can visualize this image, in the forest, I have, um, there's, you know, dead twigs around, and in the middle, there is two red toadstools. So I, if I wanted to pop out the red on those toadstools, basically, I would tap on that plus button, and I would tap on the red. And then the default is B for brightness. So what selective adjustment allows you to do is to do a brightness, contrast, or saturation adjustment to your image. And so the default is B. So when you tap on the center or wherever you're going to want to adjust that image, when you, um, when you tap and hold, you can basically move that B all around and you can... It, it'll pick up the color. So, of course, I want to color, have it pick up the red. And then if you slide your finger up and down, you're going to see a little tab menu come out. So you can change the brightness, contrast, or saturation. So moving your tapping and holding and moving your finger up and down allows you to change the menu so you can get brightness, saturation, or contrast. So I change it to red. And then what you're going to do now is you're going to slide your finger over from left to right. And when you slide your finger over to left to right, you're going to see this little red-green bar going around the S or the B, whatever, if you're going to change the brightness. And that tells you that you're increasing the effect. If you slide your finger across the stream, stream, screen excuse me, from right to left, then you decrease the effect and it will desaturate. And on the bottom, you can see they have a little uh, dial. They have um, basically a numerical dial that shows you that, you know, right now I'm minus 74 saturation. So if you want to be more precise in your adjustments, you can. What I like about this, and I, I, there will be a, um, a PDF available in the show notes that you can print out and will tell you all of this. What I like about this particular uh, application and the selective adjust is that the other thing that you can do is that when you tap and hold and you zoom out, you can basically, it'll turn, if you're using the brightness um, feature, the B, it'll turn red and that gives you a mask. So you can basically apply that to your whole image. So like you're zooming, so put two fingers on the screen and zoom out and you're going to see this mask. If you're using saturation, it will be green. And I just think that is just a fabulous um, another feature because then you can be very specific about where you want your adjustment to be. So if I don't want my a whole global change and I just want a localized change, like if I if I don't want to set, saturate the whole entire image, then I again I can just make sure that when I use that zoom motion that I'm only selecting that red and only the red will be affected. If I want to increase the saturation of the entire image, I can basically zoom out so that mask encompasses the entire um, image. So you have a global change. Fabulous feature. I, I just play with it, you know, print out the PDF and I kind of walk you through 
a little exercise and try it out and uh, leave us some feedback in the in the comments. We'd love to hear feedback, but try out Snapseed. Your images will you'll be really happy with them. You'll never be the same. You know and, what, uh, Suzanne? Yeah. Just doing your tutorial, I was playing around with a photo that looked awful. It looks beautiful now. <laughs> it is so easy to use. I have had Snapseed forever and I never used it. And wow, this, this is a fantastic picture. It it's, was like really fuzzy. It, it was like really, I had a picture of my dog sleeping and it was like really, the lighting wasn't right. It looked, she looked like almost white and she's red and it, the colors are popping. It looks really unbelievable. I, I, this is a really good, you're right. It, yeah. I'm I, a photographer now. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the thing is, say for a sky, you know, how many times have you taken a photograph and if you're doing a real quick photo with the iPhone that, um, you know, the sky's either blown out or it's too dark. So this way you can basically apply the B, you know, for brightness, put that adjustment point in the sky, zoom out, select the entire sky, um, you know, or you can, you know, just select a certain part of like a blue or something if you want, you know, more of that to be saturated. And then you can you know, darken the sky or brighten it. I mean, it's just, it's a fabulous tool. I use Selective Adjust probably 85% of the time whenever I bring an image in, always. One thing that I like also is that you press that compare button and you can see the way the original picture look and then release it and you see your adjusted picture. So you can see the contrast between the two, the improvement that is between the two pictures. Nice. You can add several different adjustment points. You just don't have to add one. So say, for instance... Wanted to. I've got the saturation of my toadstool, so they're nice and bright red. But I wanted to darken the surrounding area. Then I could add another control point and decrease the saturation, or decrease the brightness, or increase the contrast. And so, I mean, you can add several different points on your photograph. It's just uh, Nick Software just outdid themselves with that particular um, offering I, as far as I'm concerned. I just think it's a great tool to have, uh, for the iPad and the iPhone is that selective adjustment. Excellent. And there's a separate page on three geeky The number three is spelled out for tutorials and that's where you'll be able to find the tutorial on Snapseed. So thank you very much, Suze. That was great. So Vicki and I will be going to Macworld this week and we're and they're not Sorry. gloating at all. They're not gloating. <laughs> <laughs> no, we're not. I cannot wait. Uh, I'll be arriving about noontime in San Francisco on Wednesday. I will be there Thursday and Friday. I'm leaving Saturday. I have an early flight. And you'll be there also the same time, Vicki? Yes, I will. Thursday, Friday, going back on Saturday? Yeah. So we're going to be recording with Guy Searle from MyMac.com. And... I'm not quite sure if the recordings will be in the Three Geeky Lady feed and the MyMac feed or just the MyMac feed. But if you're not already subscribed, go to MyMac.com and subscribe to the podcast. Listen to our updates. We're going to be interviewing different vendors there. We're going to be probably recording two to three podcasts of just us. Uh, so it'll be Guy, Vicky, myself, and Julie Keel. Is that how it's pronounced? Yes, Keel. Her last name, Keel? Yes. Who's also a new writer for MyMac. So we, and any other MyMackers that happen to show up, like Owen Rubin might be there. Um, we'll just have, you know, some impromptu podcasts, talk about our experience there, what we've seen, so forth. So if you can see us, come say hi. 
We'd love to meet people. And uh, with that, we will talk to you soon. From Macworld. At at Macworld. Thanks. (laughs) Bye-bye. All right. Bye-bye. Excuse me, madam. Have you ever heard any podcasts that are just too long? They're all too long. Ah, but that's where you're wrong. Listen to the new App Minute with John Nemo. It's short, it's sweet, it'll knock you off your feet.